Happy New Year. We're on episode 58 of Friday Night Counter-Attack and it's good to be back. I'm good to, I'm, I'm really happy to be back at, um, recording the podcast and it feels like when you miss a lot over the New Year's, you miss quite a lot over the, over the six, seven day period of not recording an episode and it's been good to come back and um, have, have a platform to talk about football because there's so much that we miss, there's so much to talk about and there's so much to really catch up upon. So we'll be getting into most of that because obviously by the time this episode comes out, um, which is tomorrow at the time of the recording, um, some of it will be outdated, like the whole Lukaku thing will be outdated by now, so it's perfectly fine. But um, we've got Salem back with us and we've got Danny Siggers, who everyone will remember from our earlier episodes um, coming forward as well. So Danny, how are we doing today? Salem, how are we doing today? You both all right? Yeah, Danny can go first. He's the guest, I guess. Oh, thank you. You're too kind. You're too kind. Yeah, I'm all good. Uh, hoping you're okay too. Hoping the viewers and the listeners are okay. Um, had a good holiday season. Ready to get back into the into the football. Although I say that at, at the moment, everyone seems to be wanting to cancel their games. So uh, we'll have to just wait and see. But yeah, look, all good. I had a good uh, holiday resting period. Didn't do much over the holiday period. Like you said, just trying to get back into things now. Got a million and one emails. I uh, just need to get through and just get back into coaching into playing football again yeah that's something I'm going to ask you in a bit as well um Salem how have you been has everything been okay you told us last time that you changed your job as well so it's good to have you back um yeah. in a new position at work so how's that going for you yeah it's been quite interesting actually so I went to the office for the first time yesterday and uh, met some of my team and things like that so it was it was really good actually so obviously changed job and you know just excited for the opportunity that I've got but yeah the Christmas period festive period whatever you want to call it it's been um it's been good. It's been a good break, but like I feel like I've eaten too much and, you know, not done enough like, exercise and stuff in that time. But yeah, no, other than that, like I've been going gym and stuff and yeah, hopefully just, you know, new year, new goals and really want to like, you know, push on and hopefully just become a better version of myself and, you know, keep improving as a person too. Things we love to hear and that's something that um, that's something that we'll be able to help one another with over the course of the year as well. So I can't wait to see what happens um, the beginning of 2023 when we look back on this podcast and we think we've improved quite a bit, which would be quite good as well. Um, but someone that hasn't really improved in 2022 was the Manchester United team. Um, so uh, for those of you who are listening at the moment, we're going to start off and be quite brunt and honest about how how poor Man United have been recently, not just in the performances, but in the result against Wolverhampton Wanderers. So um, objectively speaking, I found Wolves to be outstanding, really. And I thought they were they were very good. And they played like the home team and they played with authority, played with character and they played with heart and desire. And that's something that you'd imagine a Manchester United side would be playing with at Old Trafford. And that's something that has kind of lacked um, in all in all areas for Manchester United in, in the team, in the staff and um, in the support and staff as well. Probably even in the fans, I'd say, as well this season. It's been quite poor to see how we've been doing this season. And I just wanted to highlight um, Ruben Neves, um, first of all, because I wanted to talk about how Ruben Neves has been um, an underrated player for a couple of years now. And I think Ruben Neves has been someone who always slightly goes under the radar, but I think it's kind of, after his performance against Manchester United at Old Trafford, is it time for him to move away to a bigger club, to a European club? Um, Daddy, what would you say about that? Do you reckon he should be moving on further? Uh, well, I, I think a couple of years ago, he was the man to, to look at, wasn't he? When you look at Jota moving to Liverpool um, and the talent, that the Portuguese talent that the Wolves team, even with uh, Esperanto, Esperanto and Jose, they were always looking to, to have like a standard of play. And I think he was probably the next in line to move to a big club. Uh, Matinho is a little bit getting older. 
Um, and he was the next one that was going to be pushing on and then trying to get into these other sides. So I think people are saying, obviously, United are interested in him now because of the performance he put in. But I think he'd, he'd do very well in that Liverpool side in just the role he plays and especially working in, in a midfield where he's looking to always play in the wingers and the wider players with those through balls and those over-the-top balls. Finding Salah and Mane on the end of those could be quite dangerous. Um, and especially when you think that they're looking to bring in another striker, like that, just having someone there just to push forward, just to be so what Thiago and Naby Keita have tried to do in that team, but just to be like a third player, get Oxlade Chamberlain out, out of that system. When he came on the other day against Chelsea in that Liverpool match, it was just, it was it's a different class to what he's mm. playing at. So I think they need someone, whereas I think he's the wrong player for United currently. I think he's the wrong player. What do you think? Yeah, so I'm I'm someone who, as a Man United fan, you're kind of thinking anyone new would come in and do the job really well. So you're kind of thinking that the media are going off that narrative of, oh, he's just played against us, he's done really well at Old Trafford, we should go and sign him. I would like him at Manchester United because I think we have lacked someone who can control a midfield and we haven't had someone who can control a midfield since Michael Carrick retired mm. um, a couple of years ago. So we've always relied on um, counter-attacking football, pressing from the front, even on the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and um, sitting back on our final third with players like McTominay, Matic, Fred and De Herrera as well. Paul Pogba hasn't really been that kind of guy to be in a deep line playmaker role. And I think that Ruben Neves, Ruben Neves could do the job. Could, could do the job, sorry. It'd be quite good to see how he would do. But um, Salen, do you reckon Ruben Neves is the type of player that could work in a Champions League looking side? Or do you reckon it could be someone um, someone else in the Premier League, someone like a Basuma who could be looking for a move this January or anyone in particular, you would think? Uh, I think, well, he, he did play. I'm sure he played Champions League football when he was at... Um... Uh, before he joined Wolves, uh, he used to be he's captain the side as well. Uh, yeah, the youngest ever Porto captain as well. I think Porto. He played for Porto in the Champions League as well. Yeah, so I think he'd be I think he'd be a good signing for like anyone. Um, like you said about Moutinho, I don't think he's he'd leave because I think he's happy. You know, he's sort of been around in his career and achieved things. You know where he's been. So I think if anyone is probably going to move, like you said, they've got all this Portuguese talent that just keeps coming off. Like, you know, Pudence is there and they've got like Neto as well. Trincao I mean, on loan. Fantastic. Trincao. You know, the, the list will just keep going. But mm. I think, uh, I think, yeah, Neves probably is the next one. I think if he wants to leave his sort of comfort area a bit because, you know, he's comfortable at Wolves. He player. But then again, you never know. Wolves could sign a few more players and try and challenge. But You've seen how many teams are trying to get into those top six spaces. There's only six teams that can fit in it at the end of the day. Uh, if it was to go United, it would be a good move. But then again, it is quite risky because we've said this about so many decent players that have moved to United before. Like, oh, you know, it'd be a good move, good move. And then they've ended up like, you know, kind of like ruining their career kind of thing. So I think it is good. it would be a risk, but it, it just depends when you get to that crossroads in your career. Because, I mean, I, I'm not sure who else... I'm not too not too sure which teams are after him anyway, but I think he probably wouldn't want to move sideways. So yeah, yeah. kind of thinking, would he do well at someone like um like an Arsenal perhaps as well? Because I think yeah. with a Chelsea, he wouldn't get into that starting eleven. He'd be a squad player like Saul, but with an Arsenal, yeah. him and Partey in that midfield work pretty well. And like you mentioned as well, someone chasing a top four position. Even the likes of Aston Villa and West Ham, they're chasing European football. That could work as well. But Wolves are in that same kind of ilk at the time. They're at seventh or eighth in the, in the league at the moment. So they're doing pretty well for themselves. And it's just like you said, if they end up getting a couple more plays, they could end up strengthening over January and actually um, improving themselves for European football um, as well. But for me, um, 
Ruben Neves is someone who I've I've admired from afar for a long period of time. I, I enjoy the fact that he's a deep line playmaker, and I really believe he has he's it's kind of like with Declan Rice and with Jack Grealish and and Romelu Lukaku. When you see some of these players playing for their teams, no disrespect, but when you see him playing for like Aston Villa or Declan Rice um, for West Ham, and you see Romelu Lukaku for Everton, you can kind of look at it and think they're good enough for European football on a weekly basis and going for the the higher honours in a way. And I think Declan Rice at the moment is outpriced. I don't think anyone can really afford him at the moment. But Jack Grealish, um, unfortunately for Salem, uh, was was bought last season by Man City as well. Okay. But I think Ruben Neves, he won't be outpriced if anyone were to buy him. What do you guys think? Do you reckon a 50 million would be the maximum you pay for someone like Ruben Neves in the midfield? Danny? I think that'd be the minimum. I think that's there's the day and age of, of how much like, Sal knocks it on the head. Like if Wolves are trying to push on and get into that sort of top six football, losing a player like that will be detrimental to their season because then they've got to go in and get someone who not fits the role but then also fits the mentality of the team and you said there's not many that many players that can do what Riven Nevers can do in, in that situation so I think 50 million is is the minimum that they'll sort of look at for someone like him um, and you, meant, you mentioned Declan Rice as well I think Declan Rice is the player the United need I think yeah. when you look at when you look at that United team and they've got so many so many attacking threat and so many attacking options you do need someone <laughs> that can just sit back, hold the defensive line, but then also be able to break forwards and get involved with the five and five. You're going to play four at the back or go five, four and six going forwards. I feel that's what you really want Scott McTominay to do, but he just can't do it. And the Manja Matic is just a brick wall with a, with a few yellow cards in him. And obviously you know what Fred's like. Yeah, so. and the Manja Matic isn't a player was five years ago. He's lost the legs and we can't rely on him every single week. And that was evident as he got bossed by... Jean Moutinho and Ruben Neves yeah. and he even got Boston um, I think it was against Newcastle as well when he was playing he wasn't playing that well when he, when he was in that team neither was Scott McTominay as well so it's not been great to see how uh, Man United have been playing under Ralph Ragnick um, going forward um, but yeah going forward talking more about um, the Man United match and, and basically a lot of players out of it's not really out of contract but there's a lot of people in Man United that wanted to leave but we're not going to be talking about Man United the whole um, way through I wanted to talk about um the free agents that we have coming up in 2022. And that's something that I personally quite find, find quite fascinating. And I know Danny knows a bit about this as well because there's so many players out of contract. And I just wanted to ask the both of you, Salem and Danny, with all of these players that we've seen out of contract coming up, got Mbappe, we've got Paul Pogba, Bubakar Kamare, Jesse Lingard, um, even the likes of Christensen, Rudiger, Insigne has gone to Toronto. Do you think this is more of a power move now for players to run down their contract? and look for the best suitor for their next career move. Salem, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it has been going on for a while. I, I wouldn't say it's like a new thing that there's this whole, like, players can just run the contract down and then sort of look for, you know, like, probably better terms because the buying team won't have to pay, like, well, the signing team will have to pay, like, a transfer fee so they can give them a bit more of that sort of money up front. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it happens. But the question mark really is like, why weren't the players like locked into sort of longer contracts like two years ago or something? Exactly. So, but then again, if the player had that intention of, you know, that they wanted the power and they wanted like a move or something, then that's, you know, that's just football. Like it works both ways. There'll, there'll be times where your team will sign like a free agent as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if you don't get a transfer fee, you don't you don't get a transfer fee. But you obviously trim them off that wage bill because I mean, like if you look at Rudiger, I mean, since signing for Chelsea, he's been good this season. He's been good sort of last season, but I wouldn't say he's been like a ten out of ten performer for him, like you know, throughout his sort of Chelsea career. So 
maybe when like three years ago when they maybe should have extended the contract two years ago, he probably wasn't playing that well, and that's why he didn't get a new deal. And he wasn't and, even in the team um, under Frank yeah. Lampard a year ago as well. He wasn't even yeah, in the system. Exactly. And now if he's asking for like 400k a week or something like that, then it, it you know, it just probably just doesn't fit well with Chelsea board. And, you know, they probably just think that it's probably better to just sell him and bring somebody younger through or... Who pays, that? Who pays that 400,000? That's what I want to know. Like, yeah, he played well against Liverpool and he's been playing well recently, like you've said, but 400,000 a week is, is, not, is what I call messy money. And no, yeah. I'm sorry, like, like no one other than you, your, your top three and maybe one who's at a club and he's the star player should be should be earning that money for someone who's just a centre centre back in a team. The one that's not even not being funny, you have really good defenders or you have the strikers that are on the money, and the strikers are the ones that are potentially scoring you more goals. Like who, who's paying four hundred thousand pounds for a one out of two centre back? You saw with Varane. Varane's being put next to Maguire and all these sorts, and he he can't defend. So it's not one centre-back isn't going to make a difference. You put him in Real Madrid's team, yeah, fair enough. Him and Alaba could make a quite a good partnership. But then Alaba goes bombing forward and he's left on his own. And he's like, okay, cool, where, where do I sit now? Like £400,000 is stupid money for that sort of player. That's yeah. how much um, you could, Juventus spent on Aaron Ramsey as a free deal as well. They spent 400 k or 350k on his wages per week. And it's Aaron Ramsey, for God's sake. Yeah. Barely even plays for them these days. Sorry, Salah, you were saying. Yeah, I'm just saying it's like it's like uh, Danny just said. It's just crazy, crazy money, and I think like it would be better if there was some sort of like salary cap, like wage cap or something. I think that'd be like you know a really good way to go. Like you know that maximum pay could only be like 150 or 200 or something like that. But yeah, I mean, if you look at like other defenders that are better than him, probably like you know earning way less than that 400 mark as it is. So if he wants to like compare himself to the market that's there or like the going rate, then he's just not on. Plus like. You know, obviously being a footballer, the earnings sort of this big money, but there has to be that sort of element that it's not all about the money at the end of the day, especially like, you know, if you're playing football and you love football, even though it's their job. But, you know, like we'd play for our team for like, you know, I'd, I'd play for Villa for free. Like I would even take salary, like, you know, I'd go to training. I would even get paid. I would even mind. I'd just take the free merch and I would even get paid a penny. I'd be happy. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to play in front of in, at Villa Park in front of all the fans and stuff, but I'd never take a penny off the club. Like just to do that, I'd do it for like minimum wage or something like, and and that's the attitude that you know footballers need to sort of I think like bring back you know because at the end of the day we all like love football and you know that's why we're talking about it. I think you can go back to Phil Jones on that against uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. He was the one that was literally playing with his heart on his sleeve compared to the other. I'd say other nine players on the team. I'd say Varane and De Gea actually put a shift in. The rest of them. Um, just didn't and what well, Ronaldo does but Ronaldo always does but Ronaldo gets let down a lot but the way I see it is a lot of players I think we'll see this weekend in the FA Cup a lot of players from the lower leagues and the non-league clubs playing with their heart on, hearts on their sleeves and that's something that we love about football because it's just like Salem said if as a fan you could play for your club for one game you'd do it in a heartbeat for free it'd be something that we'd all love to do and experience really which would be great as well um, but no, Danny, what do you have to say about um, these free agents? Are there any ones in particular that you think that we should have a look at um, going forward? I've got a few that I've looked at. And obviously, you mentioned Rudiger. I've got him on my list. You've got to talk about the bigger names first to get them out there. Like Dybala, I think he's looking for a move. He's not one to stick around at Juventus. I don't think he's got any loyalties to Juventus. I think if Liverpool came ask, asking for a Dybala to come and sit in that centre-forward role, I think he'd be one to they look at. Would uh, Dybala work at Man City as a false nine? <sighs> he he would turn into a, he would turn into a pet roulette merchant, and I just think like mm. he wouldn't want that. I think he's someone that definitely wants to 
to play week in, week out or play that football. He's only sort of 26, 27 from what I know. Mm. Um, so if he was if he was getting swapped around left, right and centre with some of the likes of Foden, Grealish, Sterling, Jesus down that middle, I feel like he wouldn't want to be a part of that. Um, and the, the other one I've got is Usman Dembele. Like wherever he ends up, because of his Barcelona ridiculous situation there with signing Ferran Torres and then going, right, yeah, because we've signed you, now we want to look at Morata. Now we've signed you, we're going to look at Haaland too. Like how much money have they, have they actually got to to waste of other people's like debt, to be honest with you. So he's one that I think could, he, he could end up at United. I feel like he's one that United could look at or even even like an Arsenal or a Tottenham. But then Smalling... I think you would do very well at Tottenham. I Tottenham think it'd be, some, be well. it'd be good to have like a, not the biggest of clubs in the league, but somewhere mm. that's again competing, but something that um, he'll get a bit of free, free space to run into in the back and someone that Lucas Moura does really well, Son does really well. And I think Conte could actually make a, make a machine of him once again. It'd be good to see someone who's been injured all the time get a good run. And especially if he comes to the Premier League, that'd be a great um, addition to it. This is what I've been saying to people, because you've got to remember, he was a 100 million man back in the Mm. day. For Dortmund, he was a 100 million man. And Barcelona, he was the next big thing. I remember he played against England um, for France and he absolutely ripped our, I don't know who our left back was at the time. It was Carl Walker. You ran to the opposite side on the counter-attack and just tore him up. That clip goes viral every time you talk about Usman Dembele. And then I just don't know what's that. He said injuries and maybe a bit of attitude and this, that, the other. Mm. But I've got some smaller names that I think we should look at. I think I've got to say, and me being biased as a West Ham fan, if Jesse Lingard doesn't come back to the to the, uh, to the the bowl, I feel it's a, such a poor decision from him and his team. There's been talks about him going up to Newcastle, getting a bit of that money involved. You're playing against Sean, you're playing with Sean Longstaff every week. Like, you don't want to be playing with that. You want to be getting European football in a team you know you can get into. When he came into the team last year, Ben Rama and all these other players were getting knocked out of, of place. Bowen wasn't starting because Lingard was in there. So he's going to get football. What, like, what do you guys think about Lingard right now? Obviously, Ham's a United fan, Sal as, a, as an indifferent. What, what do you think about his situation? Uh, well, go on, Sam, you go first. Uh, sorry, yeah, I was going to say, like, I think that that loan move was, you know, perfect for him last season. I think everyone got to see, you know, what Lingard is truly about. I think playing for United, there's obviously, like, I'd say there's probably a bit more pressure than there is playing for West Ham, given the situation of the two clubs and how toxic it is. Because it was quite toxic toxic at West Ham before, you know, and they were going after the owners and that. But that's sort of calmed down now. But you've got a lot more of that at United. But I feel like um, United's becoming, like, a graveyard for, like, footballers where, like, you know, like some people are like shocked. Like, I'll be honest, I was kind of shocked. Like, whoa, Lingard's actually quite a good player. But the thing is, he's always been this good of a player. It's just that we've, you know, with what's been going around at United and sort of people just making like a meme out of him as if he's some sort of like, you know, some kind of like joke footballer and stuff like that. But he's not. He's actually like quite a talented footballer. So, Salim, have you been making a meme out of Jesse Lingard? Nah, nah, I've used a few of his gifts, you know, the dancing ones and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. But no, I've never think. I, I, like, like I'll be honest, that there'll be like quite a few people like that though. Like, you know, when when Van der Beek leaves as well, everyone's gonna be like, oh, he what a talent Van der Beek is. Or even like, you know, if Pogba like like moves on and he'll probably start playing well again, you can just you know you can just see what's gonna happen. So his contract is barren as well for Pogba. He's in his last six months. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel gone. like I feel like I feel like if I'm Jesse Lingard, you know, I need to head back to West Ham like ASAP and, you know, just just get on the next train down or something like that. Because 
he, he was loved at West Ham. He played really well. West Ham are like, you know, a team that are going places. I'm quite, I'm like quite admired how they've gone about stuff. Signings have been good. I think, you know, I'd, I'd love to see t- uh, West Ham come forth this season over like quite a few other clubs, but it's just whether they can sustain it or not. But if I'm him, I'm, I'm definitely joining West Ham. Plus, you've got that advantage that like, you'd rather live in London than live in Newcastle. That's it's quite clear. But, but yeah, if I'm Lingard, 100%, I'm trying to get my agent get me that move to West Ham like tomorrow basically yeah and for me as a Man United fan um, supporting Jesse Lingard for a long period of his career a long period of his career at Man United he hasn't been that great personally he's been better under Mourinho and under Van Gaal than any other manager under Solskjaer he had a couple of good games but then he just got phased out of the team he's not dependable um, he's not that dependable um, for Man United and even for England we've seen that as well unfortunately but when you see him in a West Ham shirt he becomes alive he becomes um, someone who is just free of all of these barriers of playing as a Man United player. And that's what we loved last season. And I think all of us on, on the podcast, we were saying about how we, we know there's a player in him because a lot of us are Man United fans. But when the non-Man United fans on this podcast are watching him, they're like, wow, we haven't seen this player before. And um, it's, just, it's just a shame that it's been that, this way because uh, I was at the couple, a couple of games I've been to this season. It's played. So it's played against... Um, uh, Newcastle as a sub where he scored. He played against Villarreal when he came on as a sub and assisted Ronaldo in that last-minute winner at the Stretford End, which was amazing. And then he also started against young boys in the Champions League in a dead rubber, where he was woeful. And he had the freedom of the pitch in the 4-2-2-2 um, as the two attacking midfielders under Ralph Ragnick. But he couldn't string a pass together. He couldn't maintain his dribble. He wasn't that great. But it's just the fact that when you're in a team that will almost build around you in a way. You've got Mikel Antonio, you've got Bowen, you've got Ben Rahman, probably Lanzini, Ben, um, ben Lanzini, Fornals, or um, Lingard in that number 10, which could really yeah. work. And I think Lingard would really work um, in that side. If not, I think he should go somewhere foreign, like an AC Milan or um, somewhere like that would be quite nice, a fresh start for his career because every England player is looking at that 2022 World Cup um, in Qatar in November and December. And they're looking for the, as many games as possible. Um, to get it going but that's kind of my thoughts Jesse Lingard for the sake of his career should leave and I think it'd be beneficial for everyone um, football fans in general would love to see yeah. what Jesse Lingard has got left in his career to show us I've got one more if you've if you, uh, if you got ears for it that's and it's an, inter- an interesting one because I feel like this guy could go absolutely anywhere within a, within a top 8 Premier League team mm-hmm. and it could be a bit of a controversial uh, controversial one so he plays in the Championship currently and mm-hmm. he's been absolutely bagging goals for Blackburn and it's uh, Ben Bredoton Diaz. Yeah, that's yeah, my favourite Chilean. That man at the moment, I watched him play the other day. They absolutely routed a team. I can't remember what it was. It was like a four or five nil victory. Mm. And my gosh, that guy can play. He's got lightning pace. He's got the ability to score on both feet. Um, he got, had a few passes here and there. Didn't lose possession. Won a few headers. And you think a team either coming up or a team who's looking to break into the top eight, top six of the league. I'm thinking maybe like a Brentford especially with their scouting mechanism and how they look at buying players who can score goals off the cuff and have that statistical value. Or even if if um, if Adama Traore goes from Wolves, which is what's been linked at the moment to Tottenham, to West Ham, to Newcastle, I think like he could he could pop into that Wolves team pretty easily, either off the cuff on, on, a, on a second striker uh, or playing off of Jimenez on, and if they were to ch- change their shape a little bit. But what a player that guy is. Have you guys seen him play? I know Sal had a bit of a reaction when I said his name. 
Yeah, no, I was, I've seen a few clips of him because he always comes on Instagram when he scores for like Chile and stuff. But if you look at his stats before he, he had a Diaz to his name, basically, he's got like no record, like, I don't know, quite, he wasn't that good. And then he's added Diaz and he's like like better than like a one in two or something like that. So, yeah, I've, I've been following him like kind of like not that closely, but I have been following him. I know he's quite young. He's younger than I thought. I always thought he was quite a bit older, but he's not, he's not even that old, to be honest. 22, 22, yeah. 22. Six twenty-seven, but he's really young and like you said yeah I think I think the championship is quite underrated for like talent um because nowadays team just like team just want to like look abroad and just sign somebody from you know La Liga or like Liga like League One or something but I feel like there's some proper underrated talent there like you've seen it with like Ben Rama like Jared Bowen was at Hull for example you know he wasn't like you know wasn't like on like many like he did start to come into like reckoning with Premier League teams but nobody was really after him like I think he should be called up for England as well uh, we got um, you know Ollie Watkins and Esri Conser you know two people that it's just through like pure scouting of the championship and there's so many more gems in the championship Matty Cash as well Raston Villa yeah, yeah Matt- pretty good signing but Mikel Antonio was at Forest wasn't he before he got yeah. signed yeah, I'm not saying like sign a full team of championship players and hope for the best, but I mean the, the football played in the championship is you know it's good preparation for the Premier League in, in my opinion. I mean it's 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 quite it's obviously not the same thing, but there's a lot of like essential skills you can take from that into this league. And obviously being in the championship for three years, I did get to see like a lot of sort of talent there, and I think I think there is some good talent there, and I hope you know like you know, team, Premier League teams do keep looking as well. But then again, I do hope like championship teams obviously lose all their players and they can still keep going. But yeah, the, the Brentford model's quite a uh, good tried and tested model. Like, you know, they proved it with that Ivan Tony signing. He was at Newcastle before and, you know, he'd been at quite a few clubs and the next thing you know, he's bagged 30 goals at Brentford. So, yeah. that, I mean, Emi Buendia is another one as well, who I think is, you know, a really top quality player and, I think, yeah, I think Championship has some talent and, you know, the teams that are scouting there more and more are just going to get rewarded with, you know, good players. Yeah, I agree. And that's something that we've also, again, not to plug ourselves, but we've discussed this on the podcast many times, Salim, in terms of like, even last season, we, there was like something that we said on LinkedIn last year, January, February, um, about how Brentford are looking to move their way forward because of the money ball system and the way um, that their business model is run and it's worked really well and they've signed really good players and we see them in the Premier League. And we've seen them in the Premier League. And even with um, Ben Diaz coming through as well, I think out of him and Adam Armstrong, who signed for Southampton, he was probably the, one of the better two to go for. It's just Adam Armstrong was more of the bankable stars to go and to buy for Southampton. Because I think, um, like literally, ever since he's been playing for Chile um, last summer as well, it's been amazing to watch. It's been fun to watch. And there's always that one star or two every year in the championship that you look out for and you're thinking, yeah, this guy's going to do well. They may end up getting promoted or going for a playoffs. And Tyler Dolan as well. Again, he's not a free agent that we were just talking about. He's someone that um, I've quite enjoyed watching at Blackburn Rovers as well this season, which has been pretty good um, to go for as well. How old is he? He's like 19, 20. I've seen, I've seen him a few clips on say like Facebook, Instagram, whatnot. And he, he does look like he can play. So he's yeah. easy to, to look out for. Because they had Harvey Elliott there last season as well, Blackburn Rovers. I don't know why we're talking about Blackburn Rovers, but last season they had quite a few attacking players which worked really well um, in their favour as well, which is pretty good. Um, but no, Danny, since we've got you back on the podcast, let's just catch up with how everything's been going. We'll start with basically just your love of West Ham United and how things have been going since the start of the season. Then we'll discuss um, your next up academy and then we'll finish off by talking about a couple of the FA Cup games um, in store as well for the weekend. Sound good? Yeah. 
definitely. So everything about being a West Ham fan is, is and Sal will know as well. And anyone you know, anyone who doesn't support a top four team, it's always a high and low situation. It's always a high for Man United. It's just a low situation. So there's it's never, always low. It's always low. So it's, it's a gag and depressing situation. I'll quote myself from from the other. But day. I think since since the international break, we did start a little bit slowly, and it's been great to uh, to see them on the rise again a little bit. That I mean, I watched the game against Palace. Um, and it, it was fantastic. Just being able to, to see a team in full, free-flowing football attack, um, especially after like Lanzini for, for quite some time has not been playing. Fournals has been taking his place. Ben Rama and, and Bowen, anyone in that situation has been taking his place. So for him to come back into the team where he's basically been coming off the bench and maybe getting the occasional goal. I mean, the screamer against Man City, we can't really talk about. We were getting played off the park that day. Mm-hmm. But to see a team in like that, Who's going into a round of sixteen Europa League like, knockout stage? It's it's exciting. It's exciting. I'm hoping for that Barcelona away day. I'm hoping and praying for it. I don't think it will happen. Semi-finals um, maybe could be an option. Yeah, semi-finals final, whatever. We, we, we're going to win it anyway. So where, what's the point? We're going to do. Fact that Leicester didn't even qualify. That that made it quite funny as well that they couldn't even uh, break through from their group, but you did as well, which is quite fun to see. What was even funny was the uh, the Spartak Moscow's uh, tw- uh, TikTok account. I don't know if you've been uh, on TikTok or on Twitter, but Spartak Moscow have got this admin who mm. does all it or does all their admin um, on TikTok, and he keeps posting memes about how Leicester are the worst team in the world and <laughs> they can't even hold fourth. And it's it's just funny to watch. And just I would check it out if you've got TikTok, or you you follow anything on Spartak Moscow's Twitter accounts. Just go and have a look at all the Leicester memes. It's been hilarious. But no, I think we we got Leeds Leeds on Saturday. For the in the FA Cup, I feel like that will be hopefully an easy an easy victory if we've got people fit enough to play. Obviously, Ben Rama's gone off to the African Cup of Nations, which is a shame. But fair play to me, I I, I always respect players that play for their country. Sal spoke about um, playing for Villa for free or just getting the merchandise. I think any anyone would go and play for their country for free too. I think it should be the dead set if you get offered to play for your country um, in any any situation you you go and you you play and you represent and you put the put the badge on and you you give it a kiss after you score but so an Algeria should go quite far so hopefully fingers crossed for him they win it I know Burnley fans at the moment haven't they they've got a bit of a situation because they've they got Max uh, Maxwell Cornet gone off to the African Cup of Nations it's the first time they've had to ever wish an African player off to the to the African Cup of Nations with their English team their Brexit team but no Absolutely, Sean Dyche is like, what he's, he's got, what's he doing? He's going during the season. How but, dare he go at the end of the season? But then next year, everyone's going to be going. In everyone's going to be going in December. But um, but yeah, I think as a life as a West Ham fan is hopefully looking up. I feel like last year we set such a high standard to to set ourselves for seasons going forwards, and not having a big transfer window in the summer was definitely a shame. Uh, I mean, Zuma is a is a cracking sign, and unfortunately, he's injured at the moment, but. I feel like we need another, we need a striker and I feel like we need a centre mid because I feel like Declan Rice is not going to be with us much longer, unfortunately. The performances that boy is playing right now, like he's putting on that right now, in- incredible. And I feel like, like Pep Guardiola, you cannot replace him. You could, you cannot replace him. It's just, he's one of those players, it's going to be, he's what Mark Noble should have been, is what I call him. It's what Mark Ooh. Noble should have been. Mark Noble should have been that player to push himself forward, just doesn't have the legs for it. But, mm. but yeah, life as a West Ham fan is going well. I feel like we need to push on in the cup. I mean, knocked out to uh, to Spurs in the cup a couple of weeks ago was a bit of a shame. I feel like we played better than what Spurs did. It's a good game, uh, that. It was a great game. Great game to watch for the neutral. Just gutting. You know, you see those two quick goals go in and then we're fighting the, the game. And 
it's just uh, it's, it's, it's chaos. But Leeds, we should definitely win. I feel like the draw is going to be uh, there's going to be a few surprises this week just because of COVID and and whatnot. Like I know I'll, I'll talk about it when we speak about it. I mean, there's one game of, of note that I want to put down in, in the in the talking. But yeah, life as a West Ham fan, the roller coaster continues. I don't think it'll ever stop. Continue. Uh, still, GSB out. Gold Sullivan Brady out. Um, <laughs> long live the the Czech Republic owners with all their money. Bring them in. Make the make West Ham West Ham again. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that at the end because I was going to call you out on what you said last year in the new year as well because you did say you've always said Gold Sullivan Brady out, which is fine, but you also said at the beginning of. Uh, last year, at the end of last year, you, you were saying about how you didn't want David Moyes to be um, the manager for, for much longer and you weren't, he wasn't the right man for the job. Salim and I, we've been very, um, we've been very appreciative of David Moyes, haven't we, Salim, over the course of the season on the podcast and the end of last season. So, Salim, what do you think about David Moyes going forward with West Ham? Is he the right man to set up with this long-term project um, with, yep. the, with these new check owners? Well, yeah, I was going to make a point that Danny mentioned that um, the high standards they set last season. And yeah, it was crazy the way that so West Ham performed last season. And it was sort of a joy to watch, you know, for somebody that doesn't support like a big six club. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is that I was a bit worried that maybe this season you wouldn't be able to sort of like replicate it because, you know, you see it with teams that perform well. And once they get into like European football, you, you never see it like, I don't know, the team just never has the squad. Like it, it doesn't even just happen to like, Europa League, but it can happen to like Champions League teams where this they sort of start to struggle quite a lot when um, they've got like European football and then cup football and the Premier League at the same time. And you know, all the travelling away and stuff, it does affect the players a lot. But I think the way that West Ham's pulled through it, I think, you know, tremendous achievement again. I think David Moyes is the right man for the job. I think, I know, I, I'm not too sure about, I don't, I'm not too sure about the whole ownership situation thing. No idea whatsoever, but I, I know what the feeling is like to have owners that are, you know, sort of toxic and not really, you know, got the club's sort of best interests at heart. So yeah, I mean, for you guys, I, I, well, I mean, if, if David Moyes isn't the guy to take you forward, then I'm not, I'm not sure who, who you want. That's that's the question. I think, is I think it's still the case. Then is that still the case for you? I, I am genuinely. I would love to, to know what David Moyes does in that back room other than motivate our players. I feel like he's, fair enough, if, if, he's, if he's responsible for the Soufal signing, for the Zuma signing, um, for Bowen, Ben Rama, all these players that have come into our squad, then fair enough, then I think he's, he's got his hat locked on. But when you have a manager and he nearly gets you relegated, leaves, we go through a spell of other managers... And then the, the board go, right, you know what would be a really good idea to bring back the guy who we've just sacked two seasons ago back into a system. You're, you're going to be baffled. It's like, Sal, you said new job and whatnot. Imagine you imagine you fire someone and then two months later you go, actually, you know what, who would be a really good candidate for this job? The guy that I've just fired. It, it just doesn't make sense from, from a footballing fan, fan point of view, put that out there. I feel like the, the the team we've got at the moment is an incredible team who play the best type of football. I just want to know what David Moyes does in that regard. You know what I mean? Like you see Ranić yeah. puts his philosophy on his sleeve, comes out all these videos of how he plays this four triple two football in, in his in his fancy accent. And you get people on TikTok who are like, oh, this is the greatest manager since Johan Cruyff. Moyes is obviously of that age where he, he doesn't even know what probably TikTok is. 
and he's he's got himself so reserved that even some of the players probably don't know what he's doing. I think he's just putting like if you can play high high intensity football and you put some fire on his eyes and go look run. I feel like that's what he's doing. I would just love to see what he does in in the football club. No, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a bit of method behind it. I, I don't think he just turned. Oh, I think. I think that's a bit harsh. I think I, it, it can't be a fluke if he's done it so sort of two seasons. It, there must be something he's doing right. You know, he, he can't just be giving him all like, like a pat on the back. You, you know, you, I don't know. Tactically, you haven't looked that bad. I've, I've not really watched much of West Ham. Like I remember the game where West Ham came to Villa Park, four-one uh, or something, completely outplayed us. You know. Like, I don't, you just like, you're so energetic and the way you move the ball around, it was just like total domination. I thought it was wicked football. Declan Rice, like you mentioned, I really hope he stays. I don't want him to go. I mean, I think United should have got him instead of bringing like uh, Cristiano in. I think that was one mistake that they made. But yeah, he, he, I really hope he stays. Wicked player. Um, you know, I, I think he's, you know, probably one of the be- best performers in the league this season. But yeah, I I'd understand I don't understand who, who you want. Like if if Moyes was to leave, if you got your wish and Moyes and everyone and Brady and all these that are gone, who who's your new manager? Like you know, who who do you want? That's the question. That, that, that's that is the magic question, and I wish I could answer it. I feel like it would be such a tough process to to go out and find someone new. It's like you said, like managers. I said like Randy and whatnot. Philosophy on his sleeve. You really want someone to come out and tell you, right? This is the type of football I want to play. This is how I'm going to put it in, and and this is how I'm going to do it. I just, I just want to, I, I just want to know more about what he's doing at the club. And I feel like if he can, if he can stand out and go right, I've implemented this. I've made sure that the standard is of this level and whatnot. Then I feel like I'd be happier. But it's, it's just, it's just frustrating to me as, a, as especially as, as a coach myself, where okay. someone hasn't done a good job, and then you go right, yeah, get him out of the club. And you, you went through all this turmoil with trying to find a new manager, and he's got, oh, you know what? Just to add to your troubles, let's just let's just bring him back. It's like imagine United in six months' time. You now you go, oh, we've got I've got a brilliant replacement for Ranić. It's Oli Gunnar Solskjaer or or Louis Van Gaal. Hams, how would you feel about that? I mean, Louis Van Gaal won us the FA Cup, so I'd take an FA Cup at, at the second right now. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Basically, Man United wouldn't um, wouldn't be so stupid as to go back on onto themselves as well. So I do get that point of view. Not many clubs go back to a second term for a manager. That 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 hasn't happened in, in my lifetime quite a lot in English football. But I do understand the fact that they did want to go for a safe bet at the time because I do remember it was a temporary um, situation at the time when David Moyes came in as well. But there must have been something in those two, three years since he came back that changed their mind and thinking, you know what? This is a new David Moyes. He's presented something differently. He may, he's, he's not the best media man in terms of manager um, that we've seen in the Premier League. He always used to say things that, wound up fans for Man United and, and for Sunderland. Not so much for Everton. He's quite calm there. But for, for a West Ham fan at the moment, maybe having someone who can manage who can man-manage this team in a different way than any other manager previously could work in your favour. Because it does feel like, again, not really going on this FA Cup topic that we're going to be talking about later, but it does feel like you do play a lot of really good cup football, especially in the Europa League that I've seen this season and the League Cup get to the quarterfinals, which was really good as well. So you do play a good brand of football. And it can't just be because Kevin Nolan's been there for two, three years since David Moyes has come back in, <laughs> or you've had a couple of changes in backroom staff. But if it is a system that he believes he can get the best out of the players, and we've seen that, as opposed to, let's say, a Slavin Bilic who has been, who was like flirting with mid-table every now and then, but he would be telling us about his system, his philosophy in the press and in the media. 
that's that's the hand I would take as opposed to the hand I would I wouldn't take in terms of something that would benefit the club. He may not have to tell us everything tactically, but as a man management, I'm um, going forward. Again, he still needs to sign another striker. He does need to get someone else. And I think Vlasic needs to play um, a bit more because it's just the fact you have so many of these attacking players. You just need someone else in that holding midfield role to probably rotate a bit every now and then with Suchek and Red Rice, just so you don't, they don't get burnt out or injured over time as well. I, I was going to add to that and say like, I was going to say two things, actually. So, I mean, the first thing you can say is, like, you get these managers that talk, like, philosophy and stuff. Like, you've got, you know, Randick and all these guys. But, I mean, it's not like he's top of the table or anything. And it's even like Bielsa, he goes on all day about this one way of football. And, like, you know, he's struggling this season, too. I know they've had injuries and stuff like that. But... Hassan uh, Hussle's another one as well. I quite like him, but it's yeah. someone that's also gone down. But uh, Bielsa is someone who last season was getting lauded in the press. Losing yeah. 6-1 to Man United and couple people on the podcast they were getting gassed not Salem and I but they getting gassed over losing 6-1 but playing an exciting brand of football they signed yeah. Daniel James played him as a striker and they're, they're still hovering around lower to mid-table relegation zone and I don't get that because again it's all down to your coaching philosophy if it's good or not if it isn't good then it's kind of worrying that you kind of revealed it to the press and to the public in a way that's kind of how I, I would I'd add on to that as well so yeah, I can say anyone can just come out and just say to the press like, "Oh, I want my team to play like this," and I, you know, I, I, th- I think, I think, I think you're being a bit harsh. I think he deserves a bit more credit. I think, you know, considering where he's got you from, nearly relegated. And remember, you can say West Ham have gone down that route of going for like some of the like you know bigger managers. Like you went for what was his name, Pellegrini, was it? And you know, Premier League winner. Uh, you know, pro- like definitely, he's definitely like a tactician or something like that. And and he, he, I don't think he's finished higher than what Moyes has finished you. So I think, you know, it, it works both ways, really. Yeah, Zola once upon a time, he was lauded as one of the best young coaches in Britain. And now he's like, an, he was an assistant every now and then um, for Sari, he was, was a manager at Watford as well, I think. And again, it, they come and go. So it just depends on what was better for the team and for the team environment. I think David Moyes has done that really well because he is one of those old fashioned managers um, that we've still got in the Premier League. And it's really good to see. But um, what else would you have to say about that, Danny? I, I just, I just think if, say, David Moyes tested positive for COVID one day, um, and we which he has, up, which, which he has, and we turn up and we turn up for a game, I feel like we play the same way. I mm. feel like it's the team and the mentality of the team. Yes, David Moyes might be that top head honcho to install that, but I feel like the players we've got and the ability we have on the on the pitch. I think you could get Gary in the stands to stand there at some times and just watch this West Ham team play. He'll have his pie in one hand, which would be £8.50 at the, at, the, at the Olympic Stadium, and then have his beer in the other, which would be another tenner. And he'll just stand there, <laughs> shout a few things like all the fans do, and then you could you could play any team. Didn't I, I, I recently as well? Someone huh? came onto the pitch at the bowling ground. Oh, it happens every week. Just it, Either they're holding up a corner flag or they've gone to like do a few like spinneroonies around a few stewards or whatnot. Mm. That happens all the time. He's probably the, he probably thought, look, I know, more, I could do Moise's job. I'm just going to come on and do it. But I would like to see where we are at the end of the season because Moise's contract runs out at the end of next season mm-hmm. and just whether they extend it or not or whether they go, look, this is, this is going to be your last season. Do what you want to do, so... Go on then, just to, just to finalise. Where does everyone think West Ham will finish the season? For me, I think they'll finish sixth and I think they'll get to a semi-final of a European competition or a... No, of semi-final of a cup competition. We'll keep it like that. FA Cup or a Europe League. I think sixth will do. 
That's what I think. Salim, what do you think? Uh, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd love for them to come fourth and, you know, go to like Europa League five. <laughs> Like it would that. be great. It'd be great for a neutral to see that. But I'll be honest, I haven't really followed them that closely. I haven't really watched that many games. I think I've seen a few, like when you beat Liverpool and I see obviously when you beat us. But I think if you can play like how you beat us, like, you know, every week, then definitely, definitely going to get something in that top six. But yeah, I think sixth, sixth would be a good a good finish. But then again, the thing is that you've got all these like quality players. It's like, who do you sign next? And then that's where you go for that sort of next calibre footballer. So I think even if you were to lose Declan Rice, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like, because, you know, you say you can't replace him, but maybe with the money that you get for him and, you know, some money you can get from the owners, you could maybe sign like, you know, two, three, like really good 50 million pound players. But, you know, you, you just don't know really until, like, I'd be honest, for us, like selling Grealish, it hasn't really worked out for him. But I think for us, it actually has sort of worked out because we're no longer like a one-man team. Before, it was just like, just give the ball to him and kind of hope for the best. And if he didn't play, like, we just could never find a way to win. We were just so flat. But I think by selling him, we've sort of invested quite well in the squad. And obviously, Stevie G is working on a few more things and might even have Coutinho in tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, like, I think, I think it's not the end of the world. Obviously, I don't think you guys are like a one-man team, though, compared to how we were. But... I think six for you guys would be like really good, and I think I think there's no reason why you can't put a run together and get into that top four. I think you guys are to think as a West Ham fan two years ago to be hearing in a conversation that West Ham are going to be finishing fourth and, and sixth in the league is is insane. Um, and I know you're going, oh yeah, but it's David Moyes now. I think the, the boys <laughs> are doing well. I, I I think we do one or two things. I feel like we prioritise the Europa League and we finish seventh or we get knocked out of the Europa League and we go, right, here's our chance. We actually need to catch up now and we need to get into the Europa League and we finish fifth. Mm. I feel like it won't be one or the other. I feel like if we, we either go far in the Europa League and we chuck all of our energy at it and like we've got a game, let's say we've got a game against Tottenham or something at the weekend, I feel like we go, right, let's prioritise playing against Dortmund or something and, and then go from there so I, I'm going to go between 5th and 7th um, depending on how we do in the Europa League but as I said I want that I want that away day to, to Dortmund or to, to Barcelona I'll be straight on the plane I'll be playing I'll be paying for my tickets I'll be paying for my COVID tests so get me on there and I'll, I'll be one of the people there so it's quite worrying again off topic but it's quite worrying a lot of people have been paying for these COVID tests to go abroad to see the, their team play and at the airport a lot of them aren't even getting asked about um, this COVID test result as well. So they're paying a lot of money for these private tests. So if anyone listening, watch out when you're going on these away games um, abroad as well. But no, that was that was quite fun to be fair because I think there's a lot West Ham can do. There's a lot of potential to do as well. They're always a team that I like to use on football managers, as, as you both know as well. So um, it's quite good as well. Um, but no, this weekend we got the FA Cup returning. I'm very excited about seeing Man United getting knocked out against Aston Villa on Monday. Going <laughs> to the games, there's going to be another session of gig and depressing football. Again, because the, the team don't want to implement Ralph Ragnick's style of football. So there are so many games coming up this, this week. It's only going to be one game. There's not going to be any FA Cup re uh, replays this year because of the COVID factor and uh, social distancing and whatnot. So we will be picking a few picks from, from this weekend's games to see what would be quite good to be looking at and where we could see a potential upset or not. First of all, we're going to start with me versus Salem versus, uh, sorry, Man United versus Aston Villa. I'm not looking forward to this game at all, man. I'm upset because of how Man United have bottled their last couple of games. Their performances have been a shambles. 
looking at how this team has just gone downhill since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has left, since Mourinho has left, and you're just thinking, how many more managers are they going to chuck in the bin after the performances that they're putting in and because they don't want to put an extra, extra hard work in? Leaking things to the media I've seen recently about apparently 11 players want to leave. They're fed up because they're not in the first team. They need to be working harder to be getting in the first team. It's literally one of those things where, like you see people going, oh, Lingard needs to leave, or oh, Marshall needs to leave for his career. It's Manchester United. They really should be playing better and be training better to be getting in the first team because we've seen a couple of the youngsters coming through as well, which is which they're in the squad and they're in the in the team as well, which is great. And at the moment, for the both of you, can you really see anything positive coming for Man United for the rest of the season? Because I called it when Ragnit was appointed. I think we just have to write the rest of the season off. And I don't think anything positive will be happening uh, for Manchester United this season. Salim, what do you think? Uh, I think I think you'll beat us because you literally always beat us, no matter what, how good we play. Like I know we beat you guys last time and I was there, but I think no matter what happens, even if we're winning 1-0, 2-0 or 3-0, no matter what, you'll come back in like the 96th minute or something like that. So... Last time penalty by Ronaldo this time. Yeah, you always get the decision or something like that. So I haven't got much faith. I'd love to beat you twice in a week. I think that twice in one week, I think that'd be amazing if we mm. can beat you. Got the cup game and the league game. Uh, I, I can't see United getting top four. I just, I don't know. I just can't see it. And the problem is, there was a lot of people are saying that um, Cristiano is probably going to leave if you don't get top four as well. Wouldn't blame him. Really but, wouldn't blame him at all. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with United. Um, I, th- I feel like you just need to get rid of everyone and start all over again. I know they keep saying this, like, rebuild and rebuild. And We're rebuilding like- after a rebuild. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, there's still quite a lot of, like, hangover from, like, the last rebuild and stuff like that. Maybe you just need to start fresh and, you know, sort of get rid of everyone. But I think that's probably the wrong way to go as well. I don't know. I just think even though Cristiano was like, you know, the superstar, and, you know, he couldn't say no. I feel, I feel like you got baited into signing him by mm. men. I feel like you could have done without him because Sancho was meant to be that sort of marquee signing. And, you know, he sort of signed all the right people, Varane, Sancho. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, the one that he really should have gone for was Rice. And he should have just focused all that effort, money and time into signing him and, you know, look more like a balanced, complete squad because at the moment you've just got like all these attacking players you know, and they all can't play to get like, like once and then they're not even performing quite well either. Yeah, it's just, you're just holding that defence on a string really. It's been woeful um, these yeah. last few weeks and that's what Ralph Ragnick tried to sort out the defence and um, sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't worked under him and it's quite worrying to see how um, we're going to be looking forward um, for the next couple of months under Ralph Ragnick and if the team yeah. actually do buy into his system as well. But I think... I mean, sorry, sorry I was, I was going to say, like, you need players to play that system. It's all good saying we're going to play this kind of way. And, like, and there's, there's, you can coach footballers. Like, you know, there's only so much you can coach. Mm. Uh, but, like, so there was, like, 17 players unhappy because, you know, training's, like, more intense now, showing how, like, how easy of a ride they've had. Yeah. Maybe what it is, but... I, I just I just see like there's no balance. I've seen a couple of United games. Like I saw the game against Norwich. I thought you lot were really lucky with that penalty. Uh, if you take that out, I think Norwich's XG was higher as it is, and they they were making more of the chances. But so the new- saved us in that one as well. Yeah, I saw the Newcastle game as well, and I thought it was awful. Like just players can't even make five yard passes, and just simple things just went wrong. And Newcastle should have won that, and they kind of like messed it up because they missed that. So second chance would say Maximan and you know that uh, Joe Linton played in midfield and he looked like Pogba. 
So yeah, just running the show, him and Longstaff in that midfield, incredible. So yeah, I just I can't. I mean, like even the games against Man City and Liverpool before Ranić came in, I know it's sort of obviously doesn't really count, but the way that Man City played against you, as if it was like some training exercise, you know, it, it just shows like there's such a massive gulf in class at the moment. And uh, you know, you, you've probably got the most valuable squad in the league if you think about it. Maybe you and Man City and probably Chelsea as well. Like you know, the three teams that have probably got you know, I think you've I think you've spent just as much as Man City have as well over like the last, like post Fergie or something like that. But it just shows how wrong your investment has been and how sort of right their investment has been. And yeah, I, I just can't see you getting top four. I think if you do it, it'd be like a miracle. But you're just so far behind. And there's so many like teams that are like playing better and sort of like look better as well. Like West Ham being one, Spurs have like come back up the table. And then Wolves are like knocking about two. Arsenal as well. Arsenal are back as well, like, you know, they put a couple together. But the thing is, any team can sort of go on a run, like winning five, six games, and next thing you know, you're, you know, you're just there and in and amongst it. But, yeah, I think, I think United will struggle. I think the only thing that you can really do is sort of maybe do something in the Champions League because it's sort of, you know, knockout kind of games and, you know, you've got Cristiano there, so he can get that moment of brilliance for you. Anything can happen, literally. Um what else can we talk about in the FA Cup? Danny, West Ham versus Leeds United. How do you see the game going for you? You're at the bowling, not bowling, you're at the Olympic um, Stadium at home anyway against this BL society who are coming back slightly, but not really, if you know what I mean. They've got a bit of confidence about them recently, but how do you see this game going for yourself, Danny? First and foremost, I wish it was the balloon. Please, mm. please, please, please. Bring I still back- remember that penalty shootout in the FA Cup against Everton when Adrian scored as well. <sighs> Takes the gloves off. Bottom corner, but yeah, I feel like it should be an easy win for West Ham. I, mm. I would say the only thing potentially stopping us is I, David Moyes does like to experiment with his youth, and I, I that's one thing I will say about him. He does like to put his youth players in trust. Mm-hmm. Um, we could be seeing a lot of our, our young under twenty threes play. Um, I'm hoping a, a player called Oko Flex plays. Um, there's Ashby. Um, a lot of players that could come into that squad and put in a shift, especially Sonny Perkins. I feel like if he's going to give Antonio a rest, Oko Flex and Sonny Perkins could be our strikers that day. Um, and obviously, cup games, you, you've got Mr. West Ham, who's probably going to uh, drop in and play as well, Mark Noble. So the only thing stopping us is potentially ourselves. Um, I feel like Leeds at the moment are, are a team, yeah, they're getting a little bit more form. I think if Rafinha plays and if they've got Bamford back from injury or from illness, it's, it's going to look like a dangerous side, especially Jack Harrison and whatnot. Um, but it should be quite a comfortable West Ham win, I feel like. I feel like 2-1, two, two, maybe 3-1, um, it won't go the full distance for sure. So if if it's going to be a ninety minute match, it'll be a either a, if we do lose, it'll be a one nil Leeds or something like that. So I'm a little bit more comfortable about my game than uh, than Hamza's with the with the Villa game. Yeah, you won't be leaving the stadium depressed if you're going it. If any West Ham fans are going um, this weekend as well, Absolutely. Alan, what do you reckon? West Ham or Leeds? Do you reckon it could be a Leeds upset? Maybe. You're gone. Don't worry, he's lost connection. Um. West Ham versus Leeds, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, so two two decent Premier League teams. Um, I, I think it'd just be nice to see a game that goes to penalties. I wouldn't mind that. There'll be That's quite it. a few of them, I think. Again, extra time and penalties for the FA Cup seems odd in the third round. Because so many teams of these smaller teams will be relying on um, like replays and TV money, but they won't get that because it's just over and done with in the 90 minutes as well. A um, couple of games I want to point out as well. Port Vale versus Brentford. So Port Vale um, was where I'm living. They're one of my local teams, which is quite cool to see. 
They're in League Two at the moment, so they're playing against Premier League Brentford on Saturday at three o'clock. So that should be quite a good game. Uh, I like to see an upset in that, but I think Brentford will be too strong going forward um, with them as well. Another t- another game I'd say to look out for would be Nottingham Forest versus Arsenal. That's Sunday at five um, p.m. as well. So we always love a third round upset. Danny, do you reckon anything could happen with Nottingham Forest and, and Arsenal? Forest are an FA Cup team, should I say? Forest are one of these teams that always like to put in a shift. Is it televised? Do you know if it's televised? It should be because it's the only one at five o'clock on the Sunday. The rest are like two o'clock or three p.m. Saturday. Yeah, I feel like if, if it's televised, Forest loved. They're a little poser. They're a little posing team. I remember when we uh, West Ham played them a couple of years ago, and we got absolutely smacked. I think it was three four nil on mm. television. And the only and not and Forest fans went into it going, "Look, the only reason we beat you is because it's on television, and everyone got their haircuts the day before." and and this, that, and the other, and going forward. Look, so I think Arsenal, again, if they if they don't play a strong team, they've got other things they need to worry about, um, then, yeah, I feel like Forrest could, could put an upset in there, definitely. Uh, yeah, Arsenal have a couple of players at um, AFCON as well, so that'll be quite boring to see how their rotation goes. So they, I think AZ Maintenance now has went to Rome uh, to sign for Roma as well, so that's another player that they've lost as well, um, which will be good going forward. Uh, other couple of games, just quick round predictions. Salim, Tottenham or Morecambe, who's going to win? Uh, Tottenham. Tottenham, easy. Uh, Yeovil Town versus Bournemouth. Danny, what do you think? Yeovil, Bournemouth. Bournemouth have been doing quite well in the Championship, haven't they? Mm. In their top of the Championship. Scott Parker's uh, done well with them. Yeah. Well, he, he saw what he did at Fulham before he obviously couldn't handle the Premier League and whatnot. But I've, I'll, go with, I'll go with a Bournemouth win. I feel like I don't really know much about Yeovil at the moment mm. um, and what they were doing over there. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with Bournemouth win. I know Bournemouth have been playing quite well. A few lower teams to watch out for in case of an upset. So we've got Boreham Wood versus AFC Wimbledon. So that's at three o'clock on Saturday. Yeah. Um, again, it would be good to see Boreham Wood win. They've got Kidderminster versus Reading. Again, another non-league side. So hopefully they can beat Championship Reading as well. But I think the main upset for me personally in, in this uh, will be Hull versus Everton. I think Rafa Benitez just doesn't have it with Everton. Even if Dominic Calvert-Lewin is back, I don't think... Um, they'll go off to a good start against this whole city side. And I think whole city will surprise a couple of people this weekend um, in the FA Cup as well. I'm just going to... Well, you got, you got upset too, so... Oh, no, no, I'm just going to mention about Everton. I was like, I'm not sure what was going on with Rafa because I think, like, the fans want him out and then he's sort of, like, signed, like, two fullbacks. So I'm a bit confused with, like, the situation there. If, if I think they're going to back him till the end of the season or something, but who knows? Yeah, but he wants to get rid of Luca Dini as well. And I'm like, he's one of their best players. And it makes no sense to get rid of one of their best players if they're just going to keep the manager for another year. Definitely West Ham just... will have him. West Ham will have him all over. I think that's something that's been confirmed recently. I think he'd do well in the Champions League as well, in European football. He's someone that I think is well-deserved of it. Barca player, so, you know, he's got, he's got that on his resume at least. And PSG as well. So that's, mm. also, that's also something to watch out for. Man City will beat Swindon tomorrow, so that should be an easy game as well, which is pretty good. And yeah, if there's any, I've got, I've got one. I've been looking at this. I've got a few fa- uh, friends who are fans or two who have been looking at this. They've all got tickets for it. Charlton at home to Norwich. Ooh, I Charlton, feel like... Charlton beating yeah. a, an informed Norwich. That's a two o'clock one as well. Yeah, I feel Charlton are one of these teams who, when they've got their fans behind them. And it'll be a packed out Valley Stadium down in Southeast. And I feel like Norwich will come with a team which is COVID ridden and they won't be able to play their full squad. And I think Charlton will be up for a, for a third round victory. A few of my friends are 
diehard Charlton fans and they're going down on a, on on the weekend to try and see him win. So I think if the fans can get behind them at the, at the Valley and the Addicts can get there, then I feel like that could be the the upset. I'm calling that one now. That would be good to see. It's always good to see these upsets. That's what you love the FA Cup for. That's why we all love it. But um, have you got any um, others, Danny? Or was that the main one that you wanted to That's call? the main one I'm looking at. I've got my eyes all over it. Just a few fans, a few friends have gone, look, what Johnny Jackson, the uh, the club legend, has been doing as the manager recently under their new owners um, has been superb. Like, yeah, they've had a few um, sort of tops and turns, but uh, anyone in the League One, League Two can beat anyone. That that league is so um, so unpredictable in its in its fashion. And it's just, you see so many teams, like Sal, you said, you spent three years down in the, in the championship just not being able to get back up. And, and it's difficult, especially League One and League Two. So... That team, I feel like Norwich could be in trouble this weekend. Yeah, it'd be good to see it. It could be. Uh, it'd be good to see so many upsets, and it's something that if Charlton could do against Norwich, that'd be brilliant to see. And hopefully, you can get another home round, another home game in the next round as well, better for their revenue and everything. Right, just to finish up the podcast, as we are closing up the podcast, Danny, I just wanted to know how um, your business is going. So, Next Up Academy, it's been a while since we had a proper conversation on the podcast about it. How's everything been? Because the last time uh, we were slowly building bits and pieces, but ever since we've last had that conversation, things look a lot more strong and a lot more steady. So I'm glad to hear that. But why don't you tell everyone um, what's happening for yourself? It's going really well. Uh, we've So uh, I've got meetings on meetings about different plans and, and we're really trying to change the way grassroots football is played um, and try and get all of these unseen boys and all these unseen girls, the talent that's in grassroots football, um, training and playing in a professional manner. Um, and it's going really well. So plans are coming for next September, but for the moment we've got over 150 athletes signed up. Fantastic. Um, of all backgrounds, of all everything, all different types of footballing ability. Um, and yeah, everything's going really well. We're looking to expand. We're looking to get more coaches on boards. Um, we're playing different types of tournaments. We've got 1v1 tournaments coming up in the half term. We've literally said, look, too many goals, a really small sided, like a, like a cage fight pitch. Um, and try and see who could be the best 1v1 player because you don't even have to be the best attacker. Goalkeeper Wars tournaments. Um, just literally, do you know, uh, do you guys, uh, you might know it's something else, but do you know what Goalkeeper Wars is? Is it when there's like two keepers and then they throw the, uh, what's it called? Absolutely. Oh, else then? Absolutely. Literally two keepers about 10, 15 yards away from each other, just seeing who can score past each other. It's oh. absolutely, absolutely chaos, but it's one of the best games you'll see. Because you you don't just have to be the shot stopper. You've got to finish your chances too. So five minute matches, literally two keepers at any age group, just going at each other for five minutes, just who can pull off the most outrageous saves. So lots of different fun ideas. I think in the summer as well, which you boys might be interested in, we're playing different types of football games, like foot tennis tournaments, yeah. like football rounders tournaments, try and get a football rounders team together and come down and play. So yeah, it's, it's all going from strength to strength. And uh, fingers crossed, we might have a few opportunities uh across the country in the next couple of months too. Yeah, that's yeah. we'd love to see. Salem yeah. plays um, Sunday League football as well, Danny. So he's someone that will be playing football every week as well. So Salem, do you have anything to add to that? I kind of... Was, it too late for me to be signed up as a player and as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, come, come on board. Come and come down and come down and teach the next generation of, uh, of, of grassroots football. 
Nah, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I'm quite late to, like, grassroots football because, obviously, I just sort of side. This is, my, like, my second season. So, but, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's really different to, like, five, seven aside and stuff that I've played. But, you know, I love it. And I think, you know, I've seen some, I've seen your page on Instagram and I think, you know, it's quite good, the stuff that you're doing. But, yeah, I'd love to see more. Like, I'd love to come down sometime and, you know, maybe spend an hour or two with you, you know, see how you get stuff. And maybe you'll, you'll definitely have some tips for me because, honestly, every game I'm learning, every training session I'm learning. But, yeah. Come on down. We'll have we'll have Coach Sal and uh, Scout Hamza down in the building. <laughs> used to be um, Scout Hamza used to come down. I need to learn. I'm still doing my coaching as well. So Salim, literally, I'm always asking Danny, "What can I do for this session? What can I do for this session?" And it's just it's just the most uh, the most helpful guy you can ask about coaching. It's just brilliant, and that's what that's what we love about football: the fact that you can always learn something different and try or something different. And if it doesn't work for you, or you can want to adapt it, that's the best thing. And that's what's been helpful so far as well. So it's, it's the fact that Danny's been so busy helping all of these kids and all of these parents out and trying little different things. And it's not just boring football training coming every other Thursday, Friday. It's something different, something fresh and something enjoyable for the kids to enjoy because at the end of the day, everyone plays football because they enjoy it. That's the main thing. And that's why I think it's, it's working really well for, for Next Up Academy. From what I can see from a distance and from what you've told me, Danny, that's why I think it's working really well for you. So... Kudos to you and nice to you. You don't need to see it from a distance. I'm telling you, the door is always open. The door is always open. I do need to come down to see one of your sessions. So believe me, over the next two weeks, I may just make a journey down to London and um, just come for one of your sessions. It might be an option. By all means, by all means. <laughs> ah, nah, it's a good way to end the podcast. But everyone, thank you very much for listening. It's good to be back in 2022 um, for our new episode. Be sure to follow us on our social media pages. Danny, thank you very much for coming on as a guest, as always. Salem, it's been great to see you again. Hopefully we get to meet up in person soon. Uh, everyone take care. And hopefully my voice will be a lot better next week when I'm recording. And Man United wouldn't have come, uh, got knocked out of the, of the FA Cup, but I'm not holding my horses. I think we're going to lose. It's going to be a bad season. Everyone, thank you for listening. Take care and goodbye.